0: Hello, and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast for Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm Emma Cantor, Associate Children's Book Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today, I'm speaking with author Dave Eggers about his new middle grade book, The Lifters. The book is due out this week from Knopf Books for Young Readers, which is sponsoring this podcast. Eggers is the best-selling author of several books for adults, including The Circle, Heroes of the Frontier, and What is the What? His works have been nominated for the National Book Award and the Pulitzer Prize, among other honors. His books for young readers include the picture book Her Right Foot. He is also the founder of independent publishing company McSweeney's and a co-founder of the educational nonprofits 826 National and Scholar Match. In his new book, The Lifters, a boy named Gran moves with his family to the hilly hamlet of Carousel, where he discovers a layer of secrets beneath the town. Gran finds himself part of a dangerous mission when he sees his friend Catalina press a handle into a hillside, opening a door to an elaborate underground network. Thank you for speaking with me, Dave.
1: Uh, thanks, Emma. Good to meet you.
0: Yes. So dating back to Lewis Carroll's Wonderland, there's something fantastical and also familiar about kids' books set underground. I was wondering, how did the idea for The World Beneath Carousel emerge?
1: Um, well, I live in the Bay Area, so it's a very hilly place. And... Um, you go and walks in the woods and in the in the headlands uh along the coast and you see uh so many hills a lot of them sort of at eye level meaning you know there's like a hillside uh a wall of a hill right next to you and you so many of them are kind of the same size that you feel like people might be living inside gnomes or elves or hobbits and um i always had this uh Having grown up in a very flat place in Illinois, um, these hills, they were always uh, very exotic to me and very fascinating. And I always started, you know, always thought about what might be within. And I sort of saw them through how I would have seen them as a kid and been fascinated with, you know, what if these hills were hollow? What if there were tunnels inside? What if you could take a handle and just insert it into the hillside and pull open and be, and enter that world. So about 10 years ago, it started just with that image of a, uh, a handle shoved into the side of a hill and, and a door emerges. And that's where sort of the idea started. And I built around from there, what would the town be? Who would the protagonist be? What would the task be? What would he, uh, what would his, purpose be.
0: And speaking of the protagonists, your characters have very distinct names and personalities to match. Granite flower petal for one.
1: That's an everyday name. I mean, that's like a very common name. (laughs) Um, I run into a granite flower petal. I really feel like every week. Um, So common, I think in the phone book that there's a lot of confusion. So they have to go by
0: middle initial um you
1: know granite x flower petal, in a way, it was almost too common, so I wondered about that, but um in the end uh, no i I you know I have a silly name too, uh, Eggers is a very uh ridiculous last name, and so I know what it's like to be a twelve year old boy with an odd last name where you really just want it to be forgotten or spoken as quickly as possible and focus on the more. Uh, pedestrian first name but granite it was his first name and when he moves to this new town he thinks he's going to do himself a favor by renaming himself gran and he thinks it's innocuous and anonymous and but he forgets the uh and doesn't see the implication or they overlap with grandmother and uh catalina for quickly dis- you know apprises him of that, that he sort of made, made it worse for himself. And I think that uh, it seems like something that my 12-year-old self and 12-year-olds often are trying to fix something, and they kind of make it worse in an uh, embarrassing way.
0: Yes, that's very relatable. In the book, you blend a bit of magic with real-life struggles, including depression, both emotional and economic why did you decide to address these issues in that way? Um,
1: I don't know about any emotional depression in the book, but I i would address the uh, the town that he moves to. It's called Carousel, and it's sort of an... He moved from the coast from a very bright, kind of happy town along the ocean to an inland town that um, thousands of miles from any sea and that has fallen on hard times. It's a former manufacturing town that where they actually used to make carousels. And, um, and that was a long time ago. And since then the town has kind of lost its identity and, and it's, it's way. And, um, the adults have to some extent given up hope. And, um, it's evidenced by buildings, schools, homes, um, falling into the earth, like into, Sinkholes. So yeah, uh, literally depressions, and um, and that's kind of the symptom or the, the it's how the symptoms are expressed: the, the sadness and the hopelessness of the town, of these buildings imploding basically and being swallowed up by the earth. And it's up to you know he, Gran, discovers that Catalina is the sole human in the town that's sort of fighting this. These forces of, I guess, sorrow that are sort of overtaking the town and It's making the book seem like a very uh, depressing book, which uh, it really uh, it isn't. But the town has, uh, uh, you know, has a has a ways to go to reclaim its former glory.
0: Well, that leads me to my next question. The theme of community building and rebuilding seems to be very important as well to the story, and there is a sense of hope. What do you uh, wish young readers will take away from the lifters?
1: Well I, I you know I think um, I want kids to feel that they have agency and that they are a crucial part of a community and they have such power and that I think too often we strip kids of their agency and their power and their role as citizens and as members of a community. I think that we infantilize them and uh, strip them of responsibility and feel like they're too young to do this or, they don't need to be doing that, and they should be cloistered a bit. And um, But kids, even at Gran's age and uh, Catalina's age, at 12, they have such awareness of what's going on around them, and they have such ability. And um, I work with so many young people who are astonishingly capable, even at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, of doing really courageous and important things, and I think that kids are hungry for purpose and hungry to be given responsibility and when they are um, responsibility in the real world as opposed to i don't know make work or you know some kind of faux responsibility or or a task that has no relevance in the world. But if they're if they're given agency and respected as activists and respected as citizens, they always rise to every challenge. And so when Grant gets there, he's immediately drawn to this young woman, Catalina Catalan, who has such a sense of purpose and she knows that the town would not be standing upright without her. She alone is responsible for holding it up by propping up everything underground. She there's a series of tunnels that need to be propped up continuously so that everybody above ground can stay, uh, stay that way. And, um, and I think that he and so many kids and adults are yearning for to be given purpose and to wake up in the morning, knowing that they are necessary uh and that they have power to improve the world around them and um so i wanted to bring that into a a book for for younger readers
0: do you find that your approach differs at all when writing a book for young readers as opposed to for adults yeah i mean
1: with this book in particular um when i was 12 i was not a big reader when i was 8 9 10 11 12 like sort of the intended readership for this um I would, I read anything that they put in front of me for school and I was a serious student in school, but I didn't read for fun. I, um, uh, and I don't really know why it's just that, uh, I guess I was more attracted to books with pictures, you know, about spaceships and dragons and stuff like that. But I didn't read chapter books at all at this age. And so, um, I was trying to make the book, appealing and accessible and readable for the kid that I was. Um, And that starts with very short chapters. In some cases, the first chapter is one sentence. A lot of other chapters are a paragraph or two so that you feel that sense of, uh, that the book is moving crisply and, and, and swiftly and that sense of accomplishment that maybe a reluctant reader would want to feel. But, um, but at the same time, I believe in something I believe in the idea of a, a all ages readership and that there's so many great books that I love that um, aren't just for kids and aren't condescending in any way. They're just there's few stylistic things that you might do differently um, with an all ages book. But um, I find that the writing of a book like this is just uh, pure joy, really. It's um, uh, a, a kind of a storytelling that's so, I guess, unburdened by. Uh, I don't know. I, I I find myself very free when I'm writing, and I and I actually get into the adventure of it, and not knowing what's going to happen next necessarily, which is different than when I write uh, a lot of nonfiction for adults, for example. So. Um, I wrote a book called The Wild Things that was loosely based on where the wild things are. And, and then I sort of wrote a, an updated version of 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And both of those were in the same style, which is a chapter book, but, you know, with a real focus on adventure. And um, I continually try to write the book I would have wanted to read at, at that age. And, um, and there's nothing more. There's no kind of writing that I do that's more fun than this.
0: You mentioned earlier your work with children. Could you talk a bit about 826 Nationals Mission and your literacy efforts?
1: Well, we, um, uh, we started in 2002 as a writing and tutoring center for kids in the mission district of San Francisco. So these are mostly kids from Spanish speaking homes. Um, and, uh, mostly uh, kids that are learning English or struggling a bit or needing extra help. and um, But it's grown a great deal since then into more advanced writing projects, publishing projects. We have a new podcast program that's really incredible. Um, we do public events with student readings. We work with college access. I'm sitting in the offices of Scholar Match right now, which is our college access group that helps the kids, once they age up into uh, that realm, um, navigate the college system, pay for it, uh, and get through college. And so it started with making sure that young people, especially uh, those from uh, uh, historically disenfranchised situations or... Um, kids who are first second generation immigrants um uh, making sure that they felt heard that they that they had all the preparation that they needed with their writing that because without that ability to express oneself clearly and powerfully in English and they were at a disadvantage or maybe even a uh, double disadvantage. but once you have kids that feel confident as writers, they feel confident as students and as humans and as members of this society. So, uh, on the very basic side, it's a, it's a way to make sure that kids feel, uh, heard and that their voices are amplified and respected. But at the same time, uh, it ends up when you focus on students' work, students' writing, um, you end up making very powerful, engaged, uh, citizens. And if we want to have a thriving democracy, we need well-prepared, well-educated citizens that are not afraid to express their voice. Um, And I think that that all starts with the ability to write oneself into existence and write one's uh, uh, thoughts compellingly. And uh, so... It really has, you know, so many different aspects. And the program has grown, you know, all over the United States. There are cities uh, with 826 programs. And then uh, we try to export the ideas to teachers all over the country that can't be where we are through 826 Digital. And, uh, and also there are about 40 other programs around the world based on the model. So everywhere you go, there might be a program like this that tries to give a platform to young writers and uh, to amplify
0: their voices. The book also features illustrations by Aaron Renier. I understand the two of you initially connected through 826. Is that right?
1: Yeah, Aaron used to, one of the programs we do is a writing and Uh, storytelling and bookmaking workshop. And uh, there's one going on across the street at 826 Valencia right now, where usually a K through five class will come in and there'll be a facilitator that will ask the story, the class together to write a story. And we go into setting protagonist, uh, rising action, conclusion, all of the different elements of story Um, And then while they're creating this story, there's a professional illustrator illustrating their ideas. And then they leave with a bound uh, book um, that is the book that they wrote in two hours. And um, I walked into 826 Chicago one day and Aaron Rainier was in there illustrating. I didn't know him. He was just, fantastic young artist and I can always tell you know when somebody really knows uh, what they're doing. I was an art student myself and uh, I know great draftsmanship when I see it and so Aaron was uh, phenomenal and then I read his book Walker Bean and became a much bigger fan and um, so it wasn't until I think that was 10 years ago when I first met him and now 10 years later, we finally got to work together on something. But I knew when I finished the book that Aaron would be the perfect person to visualize it.
0: How much back and forth did the two of you have on the illustrations?
1: Uh, Pretty much endless. Um, We, you know, talked almost every day um, for many weeks. The book it was on a little bit of a compressed schedule when Aaron began. So it also required somebody to be fast. And as a cartoonist back in the day, I was fast and I know a fast artist, uh, when I see one and Aaron was very quick. And so we would, um, you know, we went back and forth, um, you know, sort of just working directly with the two of us, um, which was just a blast. And um, we had a very, you know, we had a very uh, intuitive sense of what the book needed and, uh, and the real uh, and a shorthand uh, right away. We spoke the same language and he is so adept at creating worlds and creating atmosphere and, just enough wit combined with just enough mystery and intrigue in his illustrations and uh, that right away he understood it. And he pictured the town exactly as I pictured it. And so uh, it was really a, a joy to see it come together.
0: Are you able to share anything about what you're working on now?
1: Right now, there's a few other picture books in the works. There's one called What Can a Citizen Do?, that we're finishing with uh, Sean Harris and I are doing He's the Illustrator and that'll be out in the fall with Chronicle Books and that is a rhyming book for younger readers, really just sort of introducing the idea of citizenship, meaning not uh, whether you're, or not you're documented or, or that kind of uh, definition of the word citizen, but you're a member of society and you have not just rights but responsibilities and um so it's a pretty in a way maybe a little bit of a radical idea um for six-year-old readers or whoever might read it but for some reason the idea of a citizen's responsibility in a democracy has been on my mind these last 18 months but um you know i, I it's a little bit of it's a uh there's a few uh, new ideas or maybe ideas that haven't been uh, common in the last few decades in it. Just about in an extremely individualistic and often selfish society, maybe we can uh, uh, think about others and think about how we fit into the larger um community and, um, democracy, even as kids, um, that you, uh, have a role to play and that it's not always about you and that you can, um, contribute greatly. And that may, you might even like Catalina, like Gran, you might even feel that satisfaction that comes with purpose and that comes with contributing. Um, and it might be, uh, uh, very important to your own happiness to feel connected, useful, needed, helpful to somebody beyond yourself. Um, I think that the two are connected if we're, if we 're interested in kids' happiness or adults' happiness, we sometimes might not have to look any further than giving ourselves and our kids purpose and connect them to the larger whole. And I think our increasing isolation from each other, whether it's driven by digital tools or um, distance or other elements of contemporary life, a lot of these things are mitigated when we connect with other people and we make ourselves available to our neighbors and communities and we step outside of our screens and, and engage with a cause or something larger than ourselves. And we might find that the two things uh, go hand in hand engagement with other people and our own personal
0: uh,
1: sense of self happiness and purpose.
0: Well, on that note, Congratulations on the book, and thank you for speaking with me.
1: All right, thanks, Emma. Good to talk to you.
0: Once again, I've been speaking with Dave Eggers, whose new middle grade book, The Lifters, is out this month from Knopf. Thank you for listening to PW Kids Cast.